Well, we are in a series. We started it last Sunday. And uh, everybody gives advice at some point in their life. Like, like we, we can be some of the best counselors right on the spot. And we can, if somebody comes and asks us a question, I got the answer. <laughs> but many times in our own life, we don't have the answer. We go, Lord, what do I do? What should I do? Um, what we what we realize, and if we're not careful, we'll live only by the words that somebody else says, and then we'll we'll try it. And it's like it didn't work. Well, I want to tell you, we are on this series called "Words to Live By," and they come from a dying man, not just a dying man, but the greatest man of all that lived. And, and right here amongst us, not here in this in 2020, but lived among his people. And he grew up amongst his people. He didn't, he wasn't far off. He literally, as a little baby, grew right there in the midst and came to the place. He, he, he established his, his kingdom. He shared all the words. Matter of fact, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So he was fully God. But he was fully man. And as he walked on this planet sharing the words of God, sharing literally the breath of God, um, he gave us some great insight on how we're to live. That's why in Hebrews 12, 2, it says this, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. We're in a race. I don't know if you know it or not. It's not against each other. We're not racing. I'm not racing against you. You're not racing against me. This is not whoever dies with the most wins. This is not whoever gives away the most wins. This is a matter of saying we all have a race we're running. And it's it, it's this life that we've been given. We only have so many days. I don't know if you know it or not, not to scare anybody, but it's like, I know how many I've lived up to this point, And I know that I'm almost halfway there, y'all. Some of, y'all, some of y'all don't know how old I am, so you're like, I don't know. Um, I'll say this, that um, I, I'm not racing against you. I've got time, and I'm like, Lord, I'm going to make a difference for eternity while I'm here. And that's what we're here to do. And it says, study how Jesus did it. That's what we want to do. How did he do it? He not only taught it, but then he demonstrated it. And we're going to look here in just a minute uh, at how he did that. And then it goes on to say, because he never lost sight of where he was headed how many here's ever done that headed somewhere how many here get lost just trying to do something around the house <laughs> you start out with some great intentions and you know what you're trying to do you get busy you're like hold on now what was that i was going to do? he never had that problem he kept very focused uh knew where he was headed that exhilarating uh Finish in and with God, he could put up with anything. I could even put up, put up with anybody. That would be a powerful one there. Along the way, he, he put up with the cross, he put up with the shame, he put up with whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside of God. And so, as we look at these words to live by, we're looking at the seven phrases that Jesus shared while he was on the cross. And in order to do this, we can't just look at one gospel. A lot of times we're we're just looking, we get uh, short-sighted. We like, if it's in this gospel, this is actually spread out through all four gospels. They're mentioned at different times. Last Sunday, we looked at this um, 
thing of the power of forgiveness. And we'll look at that verse in just a moment because it's right here in Luke where we're going. But this son, and that was called the power of forgiveness where, and by the way, there was one thing I did forget to share last week. I do that from time to time. And that is forgiveness doesn't simply mean reconciliation. Because I had a few of you call me this week that they're trying to reconcile to somebody and they've forgiven them, they said, but they haven't forgiven me. And I said, it's not your responsibility for them to forgive you. When you ask somebody to forgive you, it's no longer your responsibility for them to forgive you. In other words, there are people in my life right now that I have totally forgiven, completely forgiven, but we're still not reconciled. Like if I saw them right now, I wish I would. <laughs> I wish I could. I shared last week. I, I don't, I'm not holding grudges. I, I'm, I'm going to hug you. I don't care that if I saw them face to face, I've done it. Over, it's been over something that happened over 20 years ago. And still to this day, I forgave that person. Still to this day, if I ran into them, saw them in the grocery store, saw them at Walmart, saw them anywhere, they're going to look at me and go, and I'm going to look at them and say, hey, how you doing? Love you. And it's not because I'm trying to antagonize. It's because there's nothing in there. Literally, I don't go and go, you know how that angst feeling is when you, when there's something between you? I, I get to walk in freedom and go, I did it. I forgave. I actually went to him and said, you know, I choose to forgive. And so that, I just wanted to give that real quick that, cause some people thought, well, I, I've tried to work on this and it had the, the relationship hasn't reconciled. With God, it's easy because God initiated the reconciliation. God, the one that started that. But with us, each other, I can start it and I can forgive, but it's up to them to extend that back. And that's not my responsibility. That's on them. So just to help you out with that. So that's the power of forgiveness. This morning, we're going uh, to look at Luke 23, 43. Another one of the, the second thing that Jesus uttered on the cross. The first one, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. The second one is, Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Woo! Paradise. <laughs> and so we're going to look at this morning, we're going to go over the next few moments, we're going to unpack this, the promise of paradise. It's promised to us. Everybody gets this. It is promised to us. And we're going to look at it, but we're going to look how this guy, that, that Jesus says this to him. We're going to look at him this morning, but we're going to look at a couple others because many of you know the, the story. And you know how Jesus, who had lived a perfect life, a sinless life, Shows up on the cross, and uh, not by his choosing, but by the Lord's will to pay for our sin, he shows up there, and there are two other guys with him. If you got your Bibles, you can look in Luke chapter 23. We're going to continue in in this, Luke 23. Last week, we looked at uh, Luke um, 23, 34, that talks about forgiveness. We're going to start from the very beginning and look at it, and it says... Two other men, both criminals, were also led with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And this is the verse we saw last week. This is what we looked at about forgiveness. Then Jesus said, as his cross is put in the ground and he's lifted up before everybody and these other two men with him, Jesus looks at them, everybody there that's done this to him. And by the way, as I shared last week, 
it wasn't a pretty scene. Sitting here, it's easy for us because we're so far removed from it. But in that day, watching a man be crucified, it was not. There were people, there were gas throughout the crowd. There were people making jokes. Many times, we'll try to use humor to get through difficult situations. I'm guilty of that many times. But there's many times where we'll try to do things to try to distract us from the reality and the heaviness of something that's going on. And it was, it was in this case. And, and so when Jesus sits there looking out at them with unrecognizable, he was so badly beaten that the Bible says he could not hardly even be recognized. And so I, I shared last week how in the movie that we that came out that, uh, Mel Gibson in The Passion of the Christ, there was such an outcry about that movie because of how gruesome it was. And I was outcried that it wasn't gruesome enough. And it's not because I like, I don't like gory movies. I, I don't do scary movies at all. I don't watch slasher movies. I don't do any of that. I, I don't even hardly go to movies. But when I watch it, I'm like, that's not accurate. And what they said is they had to stop somewhere. Like, they, they did everything good, but they had to stop. They could not go all the way to show exactly the beating and exactly what he went through because they said it wouldn't. For Hollywood, for everything else, for people watching, it's like they couldn't do it. And I'm like, but that day they did do it. And they saw everything that was going on. And it was a, a, it was a mess. And so as Jesus is looking out, barely recognizable from beating, from his beard being plucked out. I mean, come on. Anybody ever had to pluck a hair out somewhere? <laughs> One. Think of grabbing a handful and yanking it out. Think of that and, and all that he went through, the torture. And he's able to look at them and say, Father... Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't even know what they're doing and why they're doing it. They're just literally going through the motions. And the Romans, who they used, that was a Roman torture. The, the, the Jews didn't do that. That was a Roman torture. The Jewish leaders got them to go through the Romans to do it that way, to actually fulfill Scripture. But it was a brutal way to die. And it was a way that said this. It was an enemy of the state. It was somebody that was supposedly, that was cursed from the state. They were causing insurrections. They were supposedly trying to set up a kingdom within a kingdom. And Jesus said, I was, but it wasn't that type of kingdom. It was an inside kingdom. And as a result, that's why he got beat. And all he did was really come to, to bring life. It goes on to say, in verse uh, 35, keep going, the people stood watching. And the rulers even sneered at him. And they said, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. If he's, if he can save others, surely he's powerful enough to save himself. If he could do that, and I'm telling you that he could, but he had a much bigger purpose in mind than just simply saving himself. He goes on and says, the soldiers also, so we got the, the leaders, the rulers, now the soldiers come in and also come up and mocked him. Uh, the ones that had been beating him in the face. Now, as we look at this, you got to think in that, as they as he went through this torture, soldiers were going and punching him in the face and then saying, prophesy to us, Jesus, tell us who hit you. He can't hardly see for all the bruising, for all the bleak. And he's like, come on, prophesy to us, who hit you that time? And so these same soldiers are sitting there, say, mocking him. They offered him wine vinegar to help ease, uh, to try to actually throw him off and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. They're wanting to see something happen. And then 
This is where one of the criminals begins to speak. And he actually says to him, one of the criminals who hung there, he hurled insults at him as well. And he said, aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you the one promised that can do anything? Like you created everything. Aren't you the one? And he said, save yourself and us. See, this, this man who had been sitting there, you got to think for just a second with me. Where did they show up from? Where did these two criminals show up from that now they're sitting here in right beside the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? How did they get there? I can't wait. One of, one of my, you know, I have the, my, my, if I call it my bucket list, I call it my heaven list. There are people I want to talk to when I get to heaven. Like there are different ones I want to go up and say, come here, come here. Come here. Okay, now it's all done. We're all good. We can talk freely here. Tell me, how did you do that? Uh, this is not one of them because I don't know that he's going to be there. I don't get to decide that. But he made some choices. But he's, he began to do this. As you got to think, he's hanging on the cross. This guy's walking with him. They're walking with Jesus to be crucified. They're all three crucified together. And this one's listening to the crowd too. And he had just heard, he had just heard with his own ears, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He heard that. This is not, let's, let's be real about it. He did not just sit there and go, he heard him say that and it made him curious. And then he began to listen to the crowd and tell him, if you're the son of God, save us, save yourself, do that. And so he thought, this is what he did. He began to, to focus on the crowd. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to just focus on what the crowd says. The crowd was saying, if you're the son of God, if you're the son, we're living in a day and time where because of social media and not to try, I love, I mean, I don't hardly ever get on there, but it's a great tool, but it can also be a place where people share all of their doubts, all of their fears, all of their things. And people, I've got former young people that I love still today with all my heart that have begun to what they call deconstruct their faith, that began to pull back. And I, by the way, I think that's a great thing. I mean, if you were raised believing something and you don't know why you believe what you believe, this is a great day to be here. Because it's time to settle in your heart and mind what you believe and why you believe it. Not because mama said so. Not because daddy said so, but because I believe. I want to examine it for myself. And so this, this, this man that is sitting here about to die, he focused on what everybody else was saying. He was focusing on, uh, oh, well, if you're the son of God. He began to, to literally chant what they chant and sitting right there, but not in the same place they are. They're looking up. He's looking down about to die. And he focuses on that. And we've got to be careful that when we're going through this life, that um, that, that we can't just focus on what everybody else said. I need to determine. I need to, to dig into this thing for myself. I've done it. I've, I've, I've went through all the hard questions being raised. I'm still doing, I'm still affirming and confirming what God's spoken to me. Uh, there was a time in my life where I got challenged. Anytime challenged me, I've shared with y'all my first one ever came from my mama. My mama. I knew my life had changed. I mean, I knew I used to do stuff. And I, I used to be a mess. I know some of y'all were never there, but some of us were. Um, I, I was selling drugs and being a part of that and living in that culture and doing my thing. And uh, when God got a hold of me, I just stopped. Like I got arrested on Friday, got out Saturday, came to this church, gave my life to the Lord that Sunday and never touched another thing since. And I know my life changed. I didn't, it's not that I was sitting here fighting. I was like, I didn't have a desire. 
I was like, Jesus, you're so much better. You're so much better. But when I went home and told my mom, I knew for sure I was going to heaven. My mom, as sweet as she is, is still to this day. She looked at me with her sweet little self and she goes, Mark, nobody can know for sure they're going to heaven. That's up to God to decide. What? (laughs) Really? What? Well, something happened. I don't, so you know what I did? I didn't get mad at my mom like, mama. I just said, you know what? I was so confused driving from Jacksonville. I was like, something happened. I got to figure this out. And I began to get into scripture. I began to study. God, what do you say about this thing of salvation? What do you say about paradise? What do you say about being saved? And I did a word study, not even knowing it was. I I wasn't smart enough. I didn't have any training. I just pulled a a precious little old lady, gave me a Bible. The second week I was here at this church. It was a Sunday night. I'm sitting back there just happy being in church like, man, I'm so glad there could be a lot worse places. Jesus, thank you. And this precious lady came and handed me a brand new Bible and said, God told me to give you this. I didn't own a Bible. I didn't have one. We had one at our house, a big one that would choke a mule and then dust on it, open it. I never really opened it that much. And, and, uh, and she told me this. Y'all, she told me the second week I'm saved. I'm just happy to be at church. Whoo, thank you, Lord. And I just love you, Jesus. And she handed me this and said, God told me to give you this. And he said, you're going to be a mighty warrior for the kingdom of God. I looked at that woman. <laughs> I said, thank you. I'm just happy to be here. Praise God. I'm just, uh, <laughs> I didn't know anything about that. I was just, it was a Thompson Chain study Bible. How many of you know I learned how to study the Bible through that Bible? I studied it. I began, I, you know, they got stuff in the back, this index where you read, you, you look up salvation, it, it tells you scriptures to go look at. Mm-hmm. I began to look at all of them. You know what I determined? I determined God already determined 2,000 years ago. He wants me. It's not up to him to decide. He already decided. 100% it's up to me to decide. So I stopped listening. So, so it can come from anywhere. So when we look at this, we've got to make sure. That we don't simply focus on what people say. Lord, I gotta study this out for myself. And then, uh, uh, if we look at it this way, first he, he listened to the crowd and started jeering at him. And then the second part of that verse, when one of the, one of the criminals who hung there and hurled insults at him, aren't you the Messiah? He's questioning just like everybody else is. But then he said, save yourself and us. So, he was in a mess and he realized, hold it. Not only can you save yourself, hey, me too. Save me, save me, Lord, save me, Lord. Anybody here ever been in a mess? You got yourself in a pickle. Choices you made, things you did, you got there and you're just like, Lord, this would be a good time. You can go ahead and take me out now. Just go ahead. It'd be a great time. Just go ahead. I'm ready. Let's, let's get it. Just woo. Just go. If we, if, this would be a great day to see you face to face, you know. And the thing is, is Jesus had so much more in mind than just trying to get us out of a bad situation. Many times we just want out. We need relief. Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And Jesus says, I've got so much more in mind for you to do. I've got so much more than just to save you. I want to set you free. And this is, this is what Jesus knew. Jesus knew it was impossible to save himself if he was going to accomplish his, his mission, which was to save us. It was saving us. His, we were the only thing. We, we Last week we looked. The joy set before me endured the cross. 
For the joy that was set before him, he went through it. It wasn't that the cross was enjoyable. It's that, hey, you are, we're going to have a great time forever. And I'm going to endure this because we're going to be there forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So it goes on to say, there's another one that gets involved. There's another criminal. There's one of them. He begins to jeer at him. He begins to say things and, and uh, <clears throat> he cried out at Jesus. He didn't just cry out to it. He cried out at Jesus. Lord, save us. That's what he wanted to do. Save us. and your, Save yourself and us. So he focused on the crowd. Then he cried out at Jesus. And um, then there's the other one that begins to make this statement. He says, but the other criminal rebuked him. Like Jesus didn't say anything. And I, in true fashion, you got to think, Jesus took the worst beating of his life of any human, just, just literally beaten beyond recognition. And the Bible says he uttered not a word. That's a word for some of us. How many, if somebody says one thing against us, Mentions one thing they don't like, we instantly, that's all we hone in on. How dare you say that? How dare you? We get so offended so easily. And Jesus took all this and did utter a word. So the other criminal, Jesus knew he wasn't going to say anything to this guy. It's not that he was ignoring him. He was focused. He was focused on his mission. Says, But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? It's like, come on, man, look where we are. He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Now, take this guy. Both of them, criminals, both of them, thieves, both of them have a past that have punished them to die. And this one decides instead of listening to the crowd and focus on what they were saying, he was actually listening. He's fixing to get out of here and he had to focus on what he focused on the Christ. That's what he did. He focused on the Christ sitting there. He also heard father forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It ruined him in such a way that, wow, this guy, how, this guy sitting here, he's just in bad of a place, but he recognizes Man, what are you calling him out for? We we did this. He's done nothing. He recognized that this man did nothing to help. And I have to believe it doesn't say here in Scripture, and I'm not trying to add anything to it or take anything away from it, but Jesus' reputation had preceded him, and he had to realize that all he did was go around and help people. His name was mentioned around, man, this Jesus guy. It's just like blind Bartimaeus, when he heard Jesus was coming. He'd never seen him, but he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's like, he didn't know. He just said, hey, I'm going to throw this name. Jesus, hey, let me throw it out there and see if he'll do it. He had to hear of all that he had done a week earlier, raising Lazarus from the dead just before he goes into Jerusalem. All of this he had to be a part of. There was a, a celebration a week before. And so he had to recognize, and as he did, he focused on Christ instead of focus on the crowd. And I'm going to tell you this morning, we've got to get more focused. Lord, I'm focusing on you. Lord, my, my heart, my mind, my spirit. Lord, I just want to hear what you're saying, not what somebody else is saying. So that's a battle that all of us have to go through. That's Proverbs 28, 13 says it this way. This is how this man came to conclusion. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. 
Do you know, since the very first sin, Adam and Eve, this is a fun, fun thing to think about. Adam and Eve, they, they sin, they eat the fruit, and they instantly hide themselves from God. The first thing, if you go, we're not going to go there this morning, in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, it says they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now, I always, it amazes me. I just look at different things and go, who told them how to sew fig leaves together? <laughs> there was nobody there sitting there going, hey, now when you do this, you do this, you cover stuff, you try to cover your, it tells me this, we can get really clever at covering up our stuff. But the truth is, we know what our stuff is. And this is why Solomon said, look, when you're trying to cover this up, Jesus didn't come to beat you up because of your sin. He came to lift you up because he was lifted up so that we could be lifted up because of what he did, not because of what we did. And that's what happens when you focus on Christ instead of focusing on the crowd. Many of us say, I don't want to say anything because then people will look down on me. Who cares? You're not going to answer to them. You're not going to be standing there answering on their, ha- on their behalf. It also says this in First uh, John 1, 9. John, the gospel writer, also wrote a letter to the churches at Asia Minor, and he said this, if we confess our sin, the key word there, if, if we do it, we got a choice to make. He didn't say, you will, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. So let me, there again, not not messing with scripture, not trying to take it out of context. How about if we do not confess our sin? Then he will be faithful to not forgive us our sins and will not purify us. So what we're doing there again, like last week, if we choose to hold on to unforgiveness, we're the one that get, we, we get the bad end. We're the ones that get full, filled up with bitterness, with, with, with rage, with anger. If we confess our sins, we get freed up. And so he says, if we confess them, just like this one man sitting there. Can you imagine? I just want to talk to him to think, what was it like to realize that you were, you were there and it was just about, you were in the last moments of life and you have, you end up next to Jesus and you begin to tell him, hey, it's because of our own deeds we're doing this. And Jesus says, wow. So this man, what he did, he didn't cry out at Jesus. Um, this is what it says in Luke twenty three forty two. This is where he said, then he said, Jesus, one of the most powerful things, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this is what I've learned in, in walking with the Lord and, and being a, a full-time ministry almost 30 years. There are many people that think Jesus has forgotten them. And you know why? We help them. The church has helped people think that Jesus has forgotten them because the church many times forgets them. And so we look at people instead of as an opportunity to display and, and, and help them towards Christ, we look at it as an opportunity to affirm what they already believe is that Jesus wouldn't remember them. He don't want anything to do with me. I messed up. I got problems. And instead of bringing them and saying, man, God's got you. It's okay. He only uses flawed people. Some of y'all get that later, but it's all right. He only, there's only one unflawed person. <laughs> he only uses flawed people. 
And so Jesus wants us to, to recognize. So he says, remember me. What he did, he cried out to Jesus instead of crying out at Jesus. Now, those of you who have children know the difference. <laughs> when your children are crying out at you and when children are crying out to you. Because <laughs> they get mad at you and say, Daddy, Daddy. Or they'll begin to say things at you. Instead of when they're in a mess and they're in trouble, they, Daddy, help me, help me, help me. There's a big difference in crying at, out at somebody and crying out to somebody. And so this, this man, one of them was crying out at him, if you're the Son of God, if you're the Messiah, save us, save yourself and us. This man said, hey, I recognize, man, I, I don't deserve this. I'm getting what I deserve right now. And I want to say to you, everybody that's ever accepted Christ, we, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve heaven. We, we, we deserve what our just deeds have done, what we've said. But God in his grace and mercy, he loves to give us that. So he cried out to Jesus. The same thing in Matthew 5, 3. Jesus said it this way. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want to tell you, anybody here ever been poor? <laughs> Besides me? Anybody ever had to scrounge up change for gas money? Anybody ever done that? <laughs> when you're younger, it's like, you're just sitting there going, okay, all right, everybody, get your change out. We gotta get, we gotta get a gas, we gotta get some gas to get where we're going. Anybody ever been that way where you just didn't know where your next meal was coming from? Where you just didn't know what was gonna go on? That word blessed there means happy in the, in the original language. Happy are the poor. I don't see, I see that as an oxymoron. I'm, I'm supposed to be happy to be poor? Well, in this regard, yes. Happy are the poor in spirit. In other words, those who are bankrupt enough to know, I don't have what it takes to pay this bill. I don't have enough, I, I don't have enough spiritual capital in order to pay my way to get to heaven. He said, blessed are you when you come to that place to realize you can't be good enough to get there. When you can't do it on your own strength and your own effort. He said, for there, that's when the kingdom of heaven starts. When we run out of ourselves and look to him and say, I don't have this, I can't do it. Blessed are you when that happens. So if you're sitting here this morning and you felt like you didn't qualify, you qualify. <laughs> when you sit here and think, well, look what I've done. I've done a good, you just disqualified yourself. So it's his righteousness, not ours. So that's what it says in Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone that does that. So as a result of this, this is where we see this scene playing out. First, we got one man who's sitting here listening to the crowd. The crowd, they're both, they're all three. Now, by the way, let me say this too as you study that out. These men were not beaten like Jesus was. These men were not nearly, they, they were executed through crucifixion, but they didn't get the cat of nine tails. They didn't get the 40, 39 plus one stripes. They didn't get the beating in the face. They didn't get the crown of thorns. They didn't get any of that. They didn't get their beard plucked out. They didn't get beat in the face. Yes, they are sitting here beating, uh, being ready and being crucified and being nailed to a tree. And yes, it was gruesome. And yes, but as they're sitting there looking at him of the other, of the three, Jesus, who was the most innocent, took the biggest beating. And they recognized that, wow, this man 
he didn't deserve that. We did. And so as a result, this is what I love. As a result of this thief sitting there, talk about the hand of providence. He crawls out. He recognizes his sin. He said, we, we deserve this. But Lord, remember me. Jesus cried out to him and us. Jesus, in his dying breath, the second statement he made from the cross was this. What we read when we first started was this. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today, not next week, not a week, you know. I'm going to go ahead and smash a myth for some people. Some people are going, there's no such thing as purgatory. Just so you know, don't, don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But there's no place, there's a holding place where people can pray you into heaven. There's a choice that's made right here today. And Jesus said, hey, I'm going to send you a place and you hang out there for a little while. And then they're going to light some candles. They're going to, and, and I'm not belittling anything. Men have come up with ways to think it, it'll make them feel better if somebody passes, that somebody's going to pray for you. And my I grew up in that, and I'm just, my personal thing is, if they didn't pray for me before I got out of here, <laughs> I'll let you figure out the rest. <laughs> that candle did it. I don't have to pray. I'm like, it. whoop, there, there's a dollar. Um, so I'll say to you this, that Jesus said it's not a waiting period. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Y'all, this is, this is the most beautiful thing. That be, this, this man, this is what you got to think about this man. He didn't do anything. He, he didn't do any good works. There was nothing he, he did in his own effort or strength that made him eligible to go to heaven except for one thing. Remember me, Jesus. Remember, Lord, I'm looking to you. I'm, all my trust is in you. It's no longer in my ability. Jesus, remember me. He said, you're going to be with me in paradise. That's what John 3, 16, the beautiful scripture that we, we quote so many times. But it says, God loved the world so much. And that word world, let me just, I've explained it, but I want to keep, I don't ever want to stop explaining it. That's for people who are far away from God. The world means a number of different things. It can mean the system in which we live in, where we get, you know, where we get our positions and our titles and we use those to entitle ourselves to other people's stuff. And Or it can be a thing of where the, the actual physical earth. But in this instance, it's used those who are far away from God. Let me ask you, have you ever felt far away from God even while you're saved? <laughs> even after you gave your life to the Lord? Where you're walking with the Lord, you're doing everything you can and you're still like I'm doing. And, and that's where I'd say to you, stop doing. Stop. It's like digging a hole like, see God, now you love me, don't you? See, see I'm doing these good things. <laughs> It's like, no, the day you first believe it didn't change. Galatians 3, Paul writes, we're not going to turn there, but he said, who bewitched you, Galatians, to think that you started out in the Spirit are now going to fulfill this calling and this gift of God in the flesh. It's not going to happen. It's a matter of continually surrendering. He said, for he loved us so much, the world, those who are far away from him, so much that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever, I'm a whoever, you're a whoever. Whoever believes in him may not be lost. You don't have to wander around lost anymore. It says, but you can have eternal life today. 
So there's three things real quickly as we go. And I believe this. I, I was reading this as I was studying this the last couple of weeks going over. I came across uh, Max Licato, and I love this is a headline that would be in heaven. This would be a, a, a headline that's written up there. A sin-soaked criminal is received by a bloody-stained Savior. I was like, man, he is so good. A sin-soaked sa- criminal is received by a blood-stained Savior. That, that's my headline. Sin-soaked criminal been saved by a blood-stained Savior. Jesus, man, I love him. I'm so thankful for him. So there's three things I want you to walk away real quickly and we'll be done. Three things. First of all, and you know this, but I want to reiterate it. This world is not paradise. <laughs> Can anybody say amen? <laughs> this is not paradise. <laughs> if it is, woo. <laughs> but I will say this. To an unbeliever, this is as good as it gets. It's not getting any better. <laughs> so this, in, their, in that essence, in that, in that truth, this is paradise. This is as good as it gets. But to a believer, this is as bad as it gets. So the troubles we go through. Jesus even said in John 16, 33, he promised us, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Why do you need peace? Because in this world, <laughs> you're going to have trouble. And the sad truth is, it's going to be of our own doing. <laughs> you know, I like to blame, you know, we like to play the blame game and blame people for our, our troubles and our mistakes. And, and by the way, yes, those things do happen. And yes, there are things that happen beyond our control. Yes, they do. But ultimately, I know most of my trouble was the decisions and choices I made. And so I can either focus on them or I can put, Lord, you're good. Even in that, I choose to forgive. So I'm going to have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome this world. So Jesus said that. And then, secondly, Jesus is the only way to paradise. And let me say about paradise. This, if you look up that word, paradiso, it means two things. It actually refers to the Garden of Eden. <laughs> like the very first garden. Like when God created man, he put them in this lush, beautiful, you don't have to do anything. You just get to come and enjoy doesn't that just sound beautiful? Hey, 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 ladies, you don't have to cook. You, it's all prepared for you. You just go, oh, look. Oh, mm. oh, look, there's nothing to clean. It's already taken care of. You're like, men, too. I know men cook, too. Don't, don't get mad at me. Some of you men are like, I cook. Okay, good for you. It's all prepared. It, it refers to Eden, the Garden of Eden. But, but let me say this to you. Adam and Eve didn't do anything to deserve that either. They didn't work hard and say, okay, we're going to do a lot of things for you, God. Now can we have the garden? It's like, he, he created it for them. Like, man, I love you. I want you in here. Boom, there you go. I got you covered. The same thing, it also refers to heaven. And just like Adam and Eve didn't do anything to work to get to the Garden of Eden, there's nothing we can do to work to get to heaven. Jesus did all the work on the cross, and that's why... He is the only way to paradise. That's what John 14, 6, Jesus himself said. He answered them. They were said, we don't know the way to where you're going. He said, oh, you know the way. He said, because you know me. And he said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And finally, so, so with that, nobody gets there. If you're trying in any way and you think in your best day you can get there, you're already working from a skewed standpoint you need to realize that this morning 
I just don't need to hold back. I just need to give you everything. It belongs to you. And so the final thing is, and this is where we come in. So first of all, this world's not paradise. Jesus is the only way to paradise. And praise God if you found that. I'm not going to go there this morning, but I love it when, when Jesus was having a discussion with his disciples in Matthew 16. And Jesus asked them this question. Who do people say that I am? He asked them, who, who do people say that I am? And the disciples were saying, well, some call you teacher. Some call you rabbi. Some's all this. And he goes, and then he, he, he kind of zeroed in on them and he said, but who do you say I am? Don't matter who, what, there again, the crowd versus Christ. Are you focused on what other people say, who they say is, or who is it to you? And so when they began and he said, who do you say? I'm Peter was the one who, who was notorious for saying and doing the wrong thing or doing the right thing, ready to get out there. He goes, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the chosen one. And Jesus said this, blessed are you, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. God himself, my father himself, revealed that to you. This morning, I believe God wants to reveal himself to each one of us in such a way that we don't stand or we don't want anything else. I'm not believing or trusting in my own ability to get myself even to the top of the fence. I can't, I'm going to stay in the grave. Lord, I get to rise because of him and him only. And then finally, the third thing is I want you to take home is this first This world's not paradise. Jesus is the only way to paradise. And thirdly, Jesus wants us to help others receive the promise of paradise. Let me say to you, there are people that will never make it to heaven if we don't do what we're supposed to. So we're not supposed to sit in a church, hear wonderful messages and go through it and then wait till next week. Okay, what are they going to share next week? All right. We're supposed to receive truth and then go walk it out with people that we work next to, people that we live next to, people that we shop next to, people that we get. We're supposed to take and help others experience the promise of paradise that we get because of what he's done. And when we've got church, this is, this is the key message to what Jesus told his disciples. He's like, hey, it's through you that this is going to happen. And I'm saying through us, this is going to happen. There are people right now that will never make it to heaven. For number number one reason, they feel condemned. They feel like there's no hope and no help. And we're either going to affirm them or we're going to change their mind and say, no, you do matter. You are remembered. I remember you because I am you. I'm no better than you. I say that all the time and I mean that. I am no better than you are. I'm operating my gifting and calling just like many of you are. But it's still all of us are called to help others do that. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And maybe you've never thought of yourself as an ambassador. <laughs> like right now, if, if you were called upon by our president to be the ambassador to a foreign country, you would carry all the power of the United States with you to that foreign country to operate on behalf of the United States. Well, let me say to you, each one of you that have accepted Christ, you are considered an ambassador of Christ. You have been, well, you've been deputized. You are an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ and of all of heaven. And now we use that authority and we're here to appeal to others. And this is what it says, as though God were making his appeal through us. 
Like God's using you to make his appeal to other people. Be reconciled. God's not mad at you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's not holding your sins against you. And neither am I. This is where we got to be careful that we don't sit in church and realize we're good. They're bad. We're all human. We've all made mistakes. And God, in His grace and mercy, has called us. We heard it. We used because of other people. By the way, the only reason I'm here, the only reason I'm here is because other people were faithful to their calling. I would never have made it to Christian Renal Church if other people had not been faithful to give, to support, to, to help, because it, there wouldn't have been a Christian Renal Church. And I'll say this to you. Will God use somebody else? Sure. God will use somebody else. But I just say to you, man, I don't want him to use somebody else. Lord, use me. Lord, use me. Use me to reconcile people to yourself. To let them know God's not mad at you. He's for you. He's not against you. He wants you. You belong. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God's not mad. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you for each one of these. Lord, each one of us created in your image and your likeness. Lord, before the foundations were even established of this earth, Lord, you already knew us. Lord, you had plans for us. You knew that we would be here on March 8, 2020. Nothing surprises you. Nothing gets off your radar. Nobody nobody or nothing misses the scope of your gaze. Lord, I thank you for each one. And I thank you this morning, Lord. That Jesus, your words still echo throughout eternity. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. To a man that didn't deserve it. To a man that deserved death. Deserved hell, deserved everything that was coming his way. But because of your grace and because of your death and resurrection, he received heaven and is in heaven today because of your truth, because of your life. I wonder this morning, there's not somebody in here that has felt excluded, has felt left out, has felt forgotten. That God, you remember others, but you don't remember me. I've done too much. I've gone too far. I'm still doing stuff I shouldn't do. I want to tell you this morning, you can either focus on your stuff or you can focus on a Savior. You can either allow the enemy to keep things before your eyes and blind them, or you can open your eyes this morning, your spiritual eyes to the grace that's been poured out, to the love that's been demonstrated. He talked about love, but then he demonstrated it on the cross. He didn't just say it. He demonstrated it. I'm wondering if there's anybody in here this morning that would say, Mark, I'm tired of being away. I want to I come home. I want to feel connected to Jesus and his body. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do me a tremendous favor and honor. If you just, wherever you're at, if you feel separated or far away from God, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand wherever you are, and I'm going to pray with you and pray for you. You feel away from him and and this morning you're saying Lord I'm coming home Lord I'm not going to allow my past to keep me away from you I'm going to put it where it belongs in the past and I'm going to walk with you from this day forward 
Today I'm connecting with you, which affects my whole eternity. I'm going to ask those that would like to pray with me at this time and just say this. Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize I've said things and done things that displeases you. But I choose as an act of my will this morning to surrender my life to you. Jesus, you gave me your life so I could have it. And I receive you this morning. And I make you my Lord and my Savior. Call the shots. This life belongs to you. I give it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It's all about Him. Jesus isn't just a way to heaven. He is heaven. Jesus isn't just a a figure on the cross. He's it all. He's the cross. He's everything. He he is everything. And He deserves our everything. And as we walk with Him and we continue to give and we continue to surrender, He will use you in ways you never thought possible. Praise the Lord. If you would, stand up with me at this time. Thank you, Lord. If you'll open your hands and receive from the Lord, we will have people here that will pray. I'll be here to pray for you. If you have anything that you have need of, you have anything going on, a physical ailment in your body, something you need somebody to agree with you in prayer, I'll be glad to do that. But if you'll receive from your Heavenly Father this morning. Father God, you're the creator of the universe and you're the one that commanded blessing to be spoken over your people. That Lord, that in so doing, as we place your name upon them, you in turn do the blessing. And so I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.